You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? We are back with episode five. Episode five. Good to be back. Just cranking out the episodes at this point. So, this past week, how you been running, man? Man, so I started off um, between last podcast and this one, kind of started off on a bit of a downswing. I had my aces got cracked, kings got cracked. And I was kind of starting to think a downswing was brewing. Oh, yeah, that's a scary thought. Like I say, I mean, you're just kind of on the edge of a cliff wondering what's going to happen. Is it going to fall, jump? But it's good to hear that it sounds like you uh, just got dug yourself right out of that. Yeah, I was, man, I was thinking, I was like, oh, here we go. Here comes the downswing. I mean, downswing has to happen eventually. But I ended up doing pretty good this week. Um so, but I ended up taking this Friday off of work because I wanted to play on the Paramount live stream because I've never played on that one before. And I was like, man, it seemed like such a cool room to play on the live stream. Oh, yeah. I think that live stream is really cool. I like it better than some of the well-known live streams, really. Uh, now, I have my criti- critiques of it, but overall, I think it is a really cool uh, live stream. I think the mics picking up, like, they actually pick up pretty good about what like the players say because I was I was watching you for part of it, and it's a it's a really entertaining live stream. Uh, one thing like on a point, a few of the pod uh, podcasts, quite, quite a few of the live streams, is like the commentators will say, "Oh, well, he's talking to him," but you can't hear what they're saying. So that does make kind of a cool element that they have the table talk. But I kind of wish they had commentators. That would make it a much easier watch for whenever you're showing people the past hands that you played it's just when you're trying to show somebody the hands to someone who doesn't play poker and just watching to see you on stream i really feel like without commentators it's tough for the very casual fan to watch yeah that's that was going to be my main critique like if there are like uh, i think one commentator is always kind of tough uh two commentators uh pretty decent ones away from being actually one of the better live streams not really like Texas Card House Lodge quality, but right there under it, which is still really, really good. Uh, my other critique, I would say, is I wish they were on Twitch or YouTube. Like, they upload it to YouTube afterwards, and I would love to... I, the Facebook Live is cool, but I do wish they were on Twitch or YouTube, like, right then. I don't know why they aren't, or if that's even a possibility. But I think that'd be kind of cool. It makes it a little bit harder to share because I was, I was trying to send it out to people, but you were the only one um, who could actually watch it live because the other people. Apparently, I know like the last people who don't have Facebook, so they couldn't watch it. So the people from work. Oh yeah. <laughs> but a... yeah, so that was kind of. But it, here's something interesting. So when I called ahead to get on the list, right? They told me, they're like, well, it's first come, first serve, which makes a ton of sense. Um, and I was like, well, I could probably show up a little bit late. Like, I'm sure it's not going to start on time. And, man, so basically what they were saying is, well, what I didn't realize is once the game starts, 
almost no one leaves. Oh, yeah. is Yeah, that's true. There was not a lot of people going in and out of that table. Uh, it was kind of the same people. So you really had to – how early did you have to be there to make it on the live stream? So I actually was the very last person to make the table. And I, I didn't think that was that big of a deal. I was like, oh, you know, how many people are showing up to play this game? So I was like, well, you know, whatever. But then when people busted, they just kept rebuying. And when I was looking around the room, there was a ton of people kind of lingering trying to get on the table. And you could definitely tell they kind of walk over. Or you, people were kind of just around, you know? Yeah, that's uh, true. I get, Well, I think a lot of people just have a goal. One is if you're on that live stream, it's a really cool training material for your to kind of judge your game. And you don't get that option that, that often. I think Paramount is probably the best option for like a low-stakes player to actually make it on a live stream. So I think that's a goal for a lot of people, and I think it's really cool, and I can see where they would kind of really want on there, but that's a... Uh, next time, hopefully, they get there a little bit earlier, maybe. Well, I was kind of thinking, I'm sure they could make the game twice a week, right? I... I guess they could, if there's that much interest in it. That, uh, at least, like as far as playing the game, I will say this. I was watching the live stream. God almighty. That is a, that was a great live stream table to be at. I mean, that like some of the live streams, like Texas card house. I mean, yeah, you could have, you're playing on it, but you're playing with a bunch of pros. I mean, could be a very, that could be a very profitable table for a live stream game. I was, I was super jealous of you playing that, that, uh, game. Yeah, but I only played probably less than 10 hands in four hours, so that was a bit tough. I noticed. You uh, sent me the uh, uh, the stream to do it, and I was late getting there, and you were already up a ton. I know how much you usually buy in for, and you're like sitting in for like 2.6K, and I'm like, what in God's name happened? And I'm like, oh, Tyler's killing it. And then Tyler didn't play a hand for three hours. I was like, oh, God, this is... Yeah, you were card dead for a long time on that that live stream. Still had a great time, though. Um, the table was super friendly. Uh, it was really cool to play there and then, like, kind of see just how everything kind of went, like how they had the, the card readers and everything. And that's still very new to me, so I thought that was really cool. And it was up on the – have you been to Paramount since they uh, put that little incline in? Uh, maybe not. So back where we used to play, like, there was um, – Remember that little step up where you would play? Like when you come in to the left, there's that one little step and then all the tables are there? Yeah. So they redid that whole thing, that whole floor. Okay. Um, super nice. But most, the, almost, well, all the tables but one are over by like where the cages and the snacks and everything and the monsters. Well, I have been there since that. The, all they moved all the tables over there. I noticed they always used to use that area where the step-up is for all the poker, and they just didn't. I didn't know what the reasoning was for. Oh, they redid the floor. Looks great. And I'm sure they're going to end up moving everything back over there. So it had just got finished. So they only had the live stream uh, table on there right now. Oh, that's kind of cool. So that's a, like I say, I mean, I was really, I was really impressed with it. I'm very uh, happy you got to do it. And it's going to be a goal of mine to go ahead and do that live stream as well. So it seemed like a really fun table. 
I always love the quality of just the cards, the people, uh, just the views of the people, and the mics, and pretty much everything about it. It's, like I say, it's one of the better, it's, I wouldn't say one of the best ones, but it is a very good one. I would probably say it's one of the better ones. As far as, like, I like how their camera setup is. Makes it easier to watch, I feel like. Because there's some where it's really hard to see the what's going on. I don't know. I found it very easy to watch when I went back and rewatched it. Uh, well, it's really good. But, I mean, I don't think, like, Texas Card House is off the charts. And to me, like, I don't think Paramount is really competing with that. I mean, it's not really something you're really competing with. Paramount's trying to be the best, like, live stream that the average player can go and play. It's a so I think that you have like two different just goals in general, but I think for what it is, I think Paramount's live stream is really good. Right, and that yeah, I guess that I can agree with for sure. It's a great point. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's well, that's really awesome. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you did did uh did well on that one. Like what, like I missed the hand that just apparently you murdered it with. Like what happened? It, I have no idea what it was. So basically what happened was someone raised pretty big preflop and ton of callers. I had a small pocket pair after a ton of callers so that. Ta- uh, called flopped a set on um, a flush draw board. Um, the preflop raiser C bet pretty big, got a caller. I re-raised um, pretty much committing me all basically. Yeah. Committing me all in. He calls, the other guy calls for less. The turn is a blank. I go all in for a few hundred bucks now. He snap calls. It's just a set versus aces versus a flush draw. Yeah, hands that pretty much play themselves for the most part. Yeah, I was thinking from that guy's point of view with the aces, can you ever make that fold there? Uh, Aces. So give give me the board again. I believe it was queen three seven with two spades or two clubs, whatever whatever flush draw was. I believe that was the board. Queen three seven uh, with a flush draw, and so he raises the flop. Uh, he bets. I think it was like a hundred and five or a hundred and twenty five. And you just call. No, no, on the flop, he bet one hundred twenty five. The guy to my right called, and I re raised to five hundred. Ooh, that's, I think he can make that. I think he possibly can make that fold there. Because, I mean, here's the thing. Like, a lot of people are going to say here, well, you could just be, yeah, I mean, you're exploitable to a flush draw. Just most people are not playing their flush draws that strong after there's been a raise and a call. So... Yeah, I mean, is it exploitative? I mean, you could you could easily be exploited in the long run, but I would say eighty to ninety percent of the time, that he's gonna be up against a monster hand like a set or two random pair or something like that. So I don't, I guess, could someone do that with like Ace Queen? Maybe I, I don't. I I will say this, maybe it's a fold you can make, but it's not an easy fold either. Not with the flush draw, and I guess it could be someone overplaying ace-queen too. You'd be super sad if you look back on the live stream and I had pocket kings. 
You know, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, pocket king. But I feel like pocket kings and pocket aces, there's going to be a little bit more action pre-flop. It wouldn't be a uh, one one race pot. True, but we did see ace king limp or call in earlier in the stream, too. So I saw so many things on that stream that made me want to be at that table. I will say, though, if you are going to play, show up early because it seemed to fill up quick and no one wanted to leave once it started. So that's probably... If you're going to take anything away from it, if you want to play at that Paramount uh, live stream game, show up early. Because it, it seemed to be everyone was already there before I got there, and I was there early. And I was the last person to get on. That's a that's a really good thing to, for the listeners to know. Because I, I do feel like there's going to be a lot of interest in getting on any live stream. And the other thing I really like about the Paramount live stream, you know, some live streams do charge like a little extra or it's highly, you know, you're kind of supposed to tip or something like that. Paramount, just the live stream is what it is. So, I mean, there's no no added time, no anything like that. So, I mean, you know, that's, I really like that about that stream as well. Right, I was kind of, not really shocked, but I was more relieved to hear that when I, because I called ahead to ask them that. And they were like, no, it's just the normal normal uh, time rank. I was like, wow, okay, great. And then I was almost that guy who showed up an hour late to get just play one, two and kind of look around and try to get on the table for a little bit and maybe not the whole thing. So happy I didn't do that because there was no chance I was going to get on that table. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a really cool idea. And, I mean, you could use that video for, like, you know, uh, sending to a coach or stuff like that. Did not seem like that was a table where a lot of that's going to be used for that. But maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Definitely not for me because I didn't play hardly any hands. And the hand, the two hands I played basically played themselves. So Yeah, you had a couple where the only hands I saw you in were like 7-8 suited where you're up against like pocket 10s. And then King Jack off where you were up against King Jack suited along with other monster hands. I was just like fold, fold, which you made the correct fold. But that's the most exciting things I saw you do. <laughs> I almost, I guess for the raise size, you never fold it, but I raised with ace-queen, got a call, then someone min-clicked it back to me, and, like, I hate playing ace-queen in a three-bet pot, just because what are you hoping for when you flop the ace so often you're up against ace-king, it feels like, or if you hit the queen, I mean, you're just never feeling good. You never feel good when a lot of money goes in the pot when you have ace-queen unless you have a straight. That's true. Uh, I don't mind. I, I'm probably never actually folding for the men click. So I'm always calling there. But it's very dependent, player dependent because there are just certain players who their three-betting range is basically jacks through aces and ace, ace maybe just ace-king. I mean, maybe not even ace-queen. So, but like, say, ace-queen and above. So I think it's very dependent on the player. If it's a player who you think has the ability to raise it, who to make a three-bet kind of light or as a bluff or something like that, it's definitely... I mean, at that point, you have to call even, like, a larger raise. For a min-click, I'm just calling, but you're right, it does put you in a weird spot on certain things. It was kind of cool because the guy to my right once we all folded, I, the guy didn't show his hand, and I looked over to him. I said, "He has pocket kings there so often, just so often. He has pocket kings there," 
And um, he was like, you think so? And I was like, well, man, we're about to find out. I'm watching the live stream. And he did. That was pretty cool. That's a pretty damn good fold. I mean, I, I'm not folding ace-queen for the men click. So, I mean, that's oh. a good fold. I did not fold it for the men click. Oh, you didn't? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I, the way you said it, I thought you did. So, okay. <laughs> no, I folded it for the uh, for the C-bet when I flopped nothing. So. Okay, I can fold that too. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 that is in my wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't paint a picture that didn't happen. I called no, okay. and flopped ace high and folded. So. I, I thought you soul read this man and just was like, no, not today, sir. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, we have video evidence. For sure didn't do that. So, yeah, it's a. Uh... Did you end up playing any at all this week before I talk about some other interesting situation? Like, none at all. Which is not great for a poker podcast. <laughs> oh, I thought, okay. I thought you had played one session. But. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry. I did play one. So you know, I'm pretty ha- psyched to have at least two rooms in College Station now. Yeah. Uh, I actually the minute we finished recording the last podcast, I left and actually hit that on the way on the way in. Uh, I mean, it made a profit of like 120. So I mean, never. I mean. Not retiring off that, but I'm not crying about it either. Any any profit's a good profit as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and again, like I say, I uh, kind of enjoyed that. Mm, I went and played a... I went to go play again, but did not get on a table, which was super annoying. That's what I was going to ask you. Do you think it's because... Did you show up late, or is it because the competition now and players are at different locations and the game just didn't happen because players are spread out? No, because I uh, I called both places and the other other place didn't, I don't think their game made. So I went to that one. And to be all fairness, they told me that there was 10 players there and that I would be the next on the list. But I just, I mean, I was first on the list. I really did not think it would. I was there like two hours. So, and then, like, you haven't experienced this yet. You're in a different stage of life than I am. You just live with your girlfriend. You have more time to yourself. I'm a married man with a wife and a kid. These two hours, super precious to you. I mean, when you are married with a kid, two hours is gigantic. And to know that you're just sitting there, I mean, I was shooting pool with them, and I did have fun with that. So, but, uh, ooh, Ooh, that's hurtful. So yeah, I was uh, none too pleased there. But no, not a lot of poker this week. I was hoping to get a little bit more in, but you know, some things don't pan out. Uh, but I have got. I did do some things that are poker related that I really enjoyed. And I think the listeners will too. So I found this podcast called The Gamblers. It's done by the Ringer. It's by uh, kind of Bill Simmons Podcast Network. If you like sports podcasts. You already know who that is. But it just goes through like 10 stories of like just crazy gamblers that just went, that just made it big. Uh, only one that I found was poker. It's about the Phil Galfon Heads Up Challenge. And it goes through it and it does such a good job. It's amazing. But uh, there's one about Scott Frost, the uh, pool hustler, and Joey Fortuna, the bookmaker who. Uh, became like just a huge uh, sports better man they are off the charts and if you like poker and you like gambling these things are so listenable you definitely need to to do this i'll definitely give it a listen because i'm 
always kind of looking to have something kind of playing in the back. Is it something you can kind of playing in the background while listening to, or do you really need to have your full focus kind of on it? It's not like a talk show. Like, uh, so, I mean, this is more like a kind of in depth. This would be good if you're driving, not like it, like I'll do like some sports talk shows while I'm like doing like errands around the house. You need to either be driving or doing like an errand that requires little thought because it is a very kind of immersive story type. But they are so good and they are worth your time. The other thing is I finished The Biggest Bluff by Mary Konnikova about basically a psychiatrist who uses kind of... She's a journalist and I think she's got a degree in psychology and just kind of uses it to become a professional poker player out of nowhere. She ends up getting Eric Seidel to train her. Out of, I mean, just kind of approaches him and gets him as a to train her to become a poker player. And she does well. I mean, well, I won't kill it, but she does. She just uses her skills and does well. Just well, she has a rough start, but you kind of you kind of see the the goods and bads and kind of how she analyzes it in poker. And she, it was such a good book. I have. You like poker and you like to read. That's a must read. Nice. I mean, definitely worth checking out. Um, so I kind of had a few. So I played a lot of poker this week, t- just a ton of hours. Um, I had a few interesting situations. Um, and I think you'll probably know the rule. You'll definitely know the rule better than me, as far as the exact particular rules. We had kind of an interesting situation at a different poker room. Um, this weekend. So somebody bet big, right? Well, I mean, whatever they bet, and the player picked up their chips, and did, and like brought their hand forward, like forward motion, but didn't, and they did go past the line, but didn't put them down. And the dealer said that was a call. As far as I remember, that is a call, correct? Uh if there, so did it have like the gun line where it's got the uh where it's got the actual outline of where you can, uh, where the chips go. Yes. Yeah. If they go past that, it is a call. At least a call, right? I mean, you can raise, but you can't fold. Well, yeah, I did like how most places will interpret it. Any chips that go past there are in the pot. So if there's enough chips that it's a raise, then it's a raise. Like, I mean, you know how certain people will grab a stack and they will, kind of go there and just yeah put like you know five chips or something in there and pull the rest back yep like on a when this is strictly enforced you can't even do that so this one they said is a soft um soft line or whatever okay it's how they worded it but i just thought any they even said forward motion like even the floor came over to clarify so even if you didn't cross the line any forward motion like to indicate a call is still a call if you're bringing the dealer even said, so like, if here's the line and you bring the chips to the line, like, like you're going to call and then stop, that's a call. I kind of like this in a way. Well, they uh, said it's to prevent angle shooting. Exactly, because this is a big angle shooting thing where someone pretends they're going to raise, you know, does the whole forward motion, and then decides, you know, and then once you, uh, you're like, okay, I check, then they check behind. I mean... It's just, it's not the end of the world, but just play poker. I, 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 I kind of like the way they're enforcing this. 
yeah, I just, it always just seems so much simpler. Just either verbalize or just make one motion. Yeah, it's, like I say, I mean, I, I will give, you know, a little bit, I will give some leeway to like VIPs and just people who just are not, you know, like professionals or really there just to grind out a profit or very new players, but I make so I see so many experienced players just do stupid crap that I mean, you know, just like you said, verbalize it and it's not a problem. Or like like we both said, have no sympathy for players who can't figure out how to turn their cards over to expose their hand. Yeah, I mean, just recently we've seen five or six different cases with me and you both being at the table where players have issues exposing their hand, whether they accidentally throw it face down in the muck. They try to flip it and it goes face down. Just all sorts of issues. It seems like such an easy process to turn two cards over, but I've seen so many people struggle. Well, this is the other thing. They will either not flip the cards over, stare at their cards for three minutes in a time game, trying to figure out what's going on, then muck their cards. Many times I'm a winning hand, it seems like. Or they will turn their cards over way too soon when there's way there's action to be held. And still to be had, and then throw a fit when that when that person still has, you know, the action and they've exposed their hand. I mean, wait till the dealer says you can expose your hand or ask for clarification. Because so many times I see a player expose their hand way too soon, and it's causes a problem every time. It, to me, if you expose your hand and there's still action, it is just on you. Oh, hundred percent. But I have. So even more interesting of a situation than that. That wasn't that interesting, sure. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you're actually, you're setting the bar so low so you could build it right up to the rug so you can we could just go soar past it. So give me this uh give me this real interesting situation. <laughs> Here comes a real interesting situation that's still pretty boring. So um okay. So I've never seen this happen before. So a player sits down at the table, right? Okay. They have $300 in cash. They say they're 300 behind. Someone gives them 100. The floor comes over to take the 300. For some reason, the floor didn't take the 300. Yeah. So they have 100 in front of them. They didn't give the so we didn't realize we thought they gave the floor the 300, right? So we okay. thought they're 200 more behind, and she owes that guy another 100. Yeah. So she goes on a tear, rivers trips, you know, queen five off, flops a five, rivers a five, boom, you know. Now she's about 300 deep. And we're like, when is the brush coming to deliver these other 200 chips? Because right now she's just playing that dude's 100 bucks. I, I mean, the brush is the... Floor comes over and says, like, is there a problem? Because I have ace-king suited. And this whole debacle is going on. Like, what is going on? Why does she have... Why doesn't she have chips? Why is there no brush coming? What's going on? Well, okay. Uh, okay, you say she went on a tear. Was she ever... Did it... I mean, was the betting always so low that it never got the full hundred in there? Because, I mean, if she's ever... Like, if it ever goes all in or anything like that, obviously this becomes... A question like literally within the hand so she must have been on a tear but not 
like even but not using the hundred dollars, I guess. Correct. That's exactly. But the dealer said she's three hundred behind. Okay. Right, but so we saw her with three hundred dollars. She's three hundred behind. We gave her a hundred to play. She's playing. She's now run it back up to three hundred. Okay. Okay. So then the floor comes over and she asks, because she, I'm looking at her, I'm like, what is going on? There's there's a very new dealer in the box. And I understand that when you're a new dealer, everyone thinks they can do a better job, but it looks so easy from the player's point of view. Right. And this guy was very new, but trying his best, doing a pretty good job for someone who's so new. And I, I was like, all right, I'm in a straddle pot with a bunch of callers with Ace King suited and the floor's coming over to see what's going on. And she looks over, because I was kind of, like, making eye contact with her, like, kind of giving her the motion, like, what's going on? And she said, well, is everything okay? I said, I don't think so. Is she ever getting her chips? What's going on? And she says, well, no, she never gave me any money. She, um, I just saw her with chips. And they said, well, no, that's his chips, because you're supposed to bring her 300 And then what she wanted to do, since she's now run it up, doesn't want to buy in for 300 Wants to only buy him for the hundred. So. She only wants to buy in for the. Okay, so. But she never gave the floor her 300. Correct. Did she give him any money? No. So. So she just took (laughs) some guy's hundred bucks and started playing with it? Oh man, it was madness. That is, but okay. Did she tell the dealer she was three hundred behind? Yes. So I mean, like we said, that money has to play. Me and one of the other players yeah. were like, "That money has to, you can't say that." And then, and then once once the floor realized what had happened, they resolved it instantly. She did not realize. The floor didn't realize. Um, what had happened and when, once the floor once she realized what had happened she corrected it and everything was fine but man you want to talk about a confusing 10-15 minutes I mean I'm very concerned about getting my $100 back from that dude <laughs> <laughs> I mean you lend the $100 back you know so some to make it easier for the dealer you know for done that I mean not I mean She's like, oh, wow, this is a nice table. These dudes are just giving me money. <laughs> yeah, but uh, everything ended up being fine. Um, that so- is a weird – I will say that is an interesting situation. That was – I have never seen anything like that before. That's That was really crazy. Especially whenever the player was in like, hey, I'm going to just take this 200 and put it back in my pocket now that I've run it up. Yeah, that's – I mean, when they told her, hey, obviously – you can't do that. Did she argue? No, not at all. Okay. Well, that that's not bad. I mean, I don't I don't know what to make of that. I mean, was she did she seem new? Super new. Didn't okay. know to keep the cards on the table, stuff like that. Super nice. I mean, just super new. And um but man, it was just so much it's you don't ever really appreciate having an experienced dealer until you don't have one. Yeah, that's a I, but I will say that I can see that being an easy mistake to make too, because you know, okay, if they say they're three hundred behind, you see the floor come over kind of around there. I mean, the assumption is they gave them the money. I mean, if I'm a dealer and I'm dealing with all the other crap, I could see it too. I mean, 
Oh, I I thought she gave him the money too. Yeah. I was floored when the floor when the floor came over and she said, "Oh, she never gave me the money." That's that's <laughs> really wow. Okay, well, like I say, me and you are both big on like I say, cutting players slack who are new to the game, or just who play for fun without really, you know, striving for the profit. Everybody wants to win, but it's not going crazy with it. Uh, players who are just good for the game in general. So, uh, we cut, cut her a lot of slack, but that is a weird situation. <laughs> Another weird situation that happened shortly after that. <laughs> kind of funny. Oh, I ordered, so I ordered a chicken sandwich. They didn't have any chicken sandwiches. So I said, I'll get the burger. And they brought me a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I mean, I waited an hour for this, for this burger which is a hot dog if i told the dealer i said there's no way this is your burger it is a hot dog cut in half <laughs> so this is a disaster of a burger <laughs> and he said yeah i was like this is the burger like but i don't want to complain because i just waited i've already paid i was like you serve me just goddamn anything at this point i'm gonna eat it i just <laughs> i mean it was great but it was real awkward when they showed up with a burger a few minutes later and someone was asking what happened to their hot dog. Oh, did that really happen? <laughs> that really happened. And I told him, I said, I just didn't want to complain. So, sorry. Yeah, Tyler was like, yeah, I was trying to be nice. I was trying to be one of those nice customers or whatever. Oh, that's real. That is an awkward situation. Oh, uh, I was I, like, your hot dog, it was good. It was great. <laughs> I mean, it was great, but you know that feeling whenever I'm on the last bite of the hot dog and I see them walking around with a burger trying to figure out whose it is? <laughs> <laughs> and then they point at me and I put the last bite of hot dog in my mouth and just give them the shrug. <laughs> well, that's... And they were like, yeah. and they said, did you order this? I said, no, I just didn't want to complain. <laughs> did they, and did they give you the burger? They offered it, but I didn't need that much food. I, was, I mean, I was yeah. full. I, I mean, the, the hot dog... By all means, was great, tastes great. The food was great. Um, and I was like, man, this is already enough food for me. And they, they offered me the burger. They said it would be free of charge. We already have it made. I told them they ended up giving it to two other players who cut it in half, which was perfectly fine. Okay. Well, sh- but they offered it to me first. They said I could have it free of charge. Don't worry about it. We've already made it. It was our mistake. I don't know whose burger or hot dog it was, but I think that was one sad dude leaving the room. I think it was a dealer who ordered it. Oh, God. Who was getting, getting worse and worse. I didn't feel great, but. Like, <laughs> well, that's a. You should have dealt me better. <laughs> I'm eating your food now. <laughs> yeah. But, okay. So this leads me to with that new player. Um, talk that kind of this talk of the new player coming in kind of brings a different topic though of like whenever someone comes just to have fun and gamble it up and just throw chips around and have a great time right some players get so frustrated when a player like that shows up which I just don't understand like so I buy in normally pretty deep for a 1-3 game and he showed up, and he wants to buy in just as deep as me, which I welcome. That's fine, right? That's great. Oh, yeah, absolutely, especially if it's a fun player. Well, I I recognized him from before, but, you know, he's like, can I buy him for this much? They're asking me. I was like, dude, I don't care. You can buy. I told him, you can buy him for whatever your bank allows. Yeah. However much you have, you can put it. It's fine with me. I don't care. 
And uh, so he bought in pretty deep, but like people would get so upset whenever he'd just be raising big pre-flop and raising big on the flop. And I just, it just seems like whenever someone comes to, cause I normally don't talk that much at the table or I normally just kind of do my own thing and not really get involved in it. Right. But when you have a player like that who shows up, he was sitting on my left, and um, when he shows up and is just trying to have a good time and no one's really um, facilitating him to have a good time, it's just so important that you kind of help that player get why they come there if you're going to try to get a profit. You, you kind of... Yeah, I mean... Well, I, you know, and people not only do not, they not facilitate, but they will berate players for, you know making bad calls, you know, calling down with gut shots or something like that. Uh, so, you know, you want bad play. I understand it, everybody is frustrating when you get sucked out on the, uh, I mean, you were frustrated last week when the gut shot hit at the, uh, when you had the aces. But I mean, oh. everything's frustrating, but over, but over time, if you don't have players making bad decisions and playing badly and getting lucky here and there, I mean, poker's not going to be profitable. So, yeah, I mean, people have to really give these people... I mean, I would say, like, on the vlogs, like Ben Deach. I don't know how many of our listeners watch the vlogs, but Ben Deach is one of my favorites because it's just interesting to me. But, I mean, he's real good about, like, the VIPs and using the... uh, kind of giving them the special treatment and everything, and that's how it should be. It, it's not the grinders who make the game. It's definitely the fun players and all that, and they're the ones in demand, and we should definitely be doing everything we can to kind of, you know, make it fun for them. I, I kind of feel like um, players definitely show up for different reasons. Like, you have some who show up just for the social aspect, just want to come, hang out, drink beer, chat, have a good time, and just hang out, and not really getting any big hands or they really just want to burn some time and have just hang out and have a good time and pass some time. You also have players who come there to make money. That's, that's the goal. And then you have other players who want to make like the big bluffs or put in the big C bet and get the bluff through or chase down their open end straight and go all in on the flop with it, which is fine. But if that player isn't having fun in the experience it really can hurt the game because you need those players. They're, they're crucial. Oh, super crucial. And like I said, you said, like those are really good, all really good reasons of uh, playing, and everybody has a different... And I think that some people, it's a mix of those uh, reasons as well. And so it's... Yeah, I mean, we definitely need to facilitate that. And like I think that's a big part of like just talking positive about the game as well and kind of growing the game in general is getting that new player pool coming in as well as taking care of the ones who really make the games happen. Cause it's not the grinders who are sitting there playing 8% of hands and, you know, just grinding out, you know, like what was it? Uh, grinding out their leather, grinding out on the leather ass. Is that what the rounders <laughs> ideal? Yeah. It's uh, those aren't the games who are ma- the players who are making the game. It's the players who are the fun players. And I mean, I can, I mean, all of us know how hard it is to get sucked out on by some of these players. And I never berate anybody's play. I've berated my luck before. But it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, we definitely have to do everything we can to, like, you know, keep them coming. So I kind of have an interesting hand for you. Um, 
that kind of speaks to that player. So we, we were playing and the game was kind of dying down. Right. And we were about five handed. And I mean, it was very little action. And then an action player showed up already drunk, ready to gamble, just ready, showed up pumped. Right. That's what you love to see. And we're playing back and forth and no one's really talking to him. They're not really, and he's trying to socialize. So I was like, well, I'm just, I'm guess I'm gonna be your new buddy this for this table. I'll just talk to you the whole time if you want to talk. You know, he was like, it was funny because he would say stuff to me. He'd be like, during the hand, he would say, "Do you think if I bet a hundred, everyone will fold?" And I told him, I said, "I don't know, man. It's up between you and your cards, but I don't even know what you have, so we'll just have to see how it pans out for you. I guess see what yeah. you do. You know, try to keep it not to influence action by any means. Yeah, definitely try to stay as neutral as possible to the answers. Right." But he still is trying to have a go, and he would say stuff like he would bet like a hundred dollars and thirty on a queen queen five board, mm-hmm. and of course the queen calls. But he's like he would say stuff like, "Well, I know if no one, everyone's gonna fold unless I have a queen, so I'll just take the thirty bucks." I was like, "No one says that's how you do it." There you go, you know stuff like that. Yeah, and I mean he's kind of that kind of stuff, right? And then here's kind of an interesting situation. Um, so we were kind of going back and forth talking, you know, and I get, he's straddling every hand and I get dealt pocket deuces, right? And everyone calls, He then he raises from the straddle. Um, He's on the button and he raises somewhat big, but we're playing pretty deep and it's three ways, right? And he looks over to me and he goes, hey. I think I'm going to go all in blind this hand. And I told him, I said, oh man, don't do it. Cause if I hit, that's it. I told him I have a great hand for that strategy. So I told him when I had pocket deuces, right? He's like, and he whispers, he goes, I'm going to go all in blind. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> did, did he go all in blind or not blind? He's just, I'm going to go all in on any flop is what he said. Right. Okay. He's, I'm just, I'm going all in, right? Oh, he was playing blind for a while too, which was fun. Yeah. But um, the flop comes. Um, oh, maybe I was thinking when I said the stream, it was queen seven deuce. Oh God. Two spades and a deuce, right? So I flopped my set, and there were two spades, and um, he's already saying he's gonna go on blind. So I check it over to him. Well, sorry, sorry. Someone bets into us. Okay. And he already has his chip stacked up in one giant pole, ready to go all in. Kind of like, um, you know, like the cheese grater. So he has them up like that, right? Right. Already ready to go all in. And I'd kind of already told him, like, he had made a good fold earlier with me. Because I'd flop trips one time, turn uh-huh. two pairs, stuff like that. And I was being friendly with him, telling him, like, you know, good fold, stuff like that. Right. Just to be nice. And um, the guy bets pretty big. And I was going to re-raise him, but I knew my guy to my left here could do something crazy. So I call. And then I call the $30. And he goes, should I go all in blind? That's why I said, you shouldn't. No, please don't. And it's going to be a disaster for you if you do. So I tell him. I verbal. I tell him that. Yeah. Tell him, tell him you really don't want to. You shouldn't do it. A player not in the hand looks over to him and goes, chicken. 
Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He looks over and goes, chicken. And then he puts all his money in. The guy who's even deeper than him, because he had taken some bad beats, if you can believe it, calls it that bet. I then go all in over the top. Oh, wow. That guy snap calls me. Right? And I was a little bit over 500 deep in the hand. Okay. Um, yeah. And then um, I boat on the river, and the other dude had ace king of spades with just the two overs and a flush draw. And the uh, player to my left didn't even show his hand. He just shook my hand and said, good hand, and walked off. Yeah, he got it like um he took it took it like champ and everything. I mean, which I mean, to be honest, you were being super nice by you know telling him by verbal basically verbalizing that you have like a big hand. So, but I mean, to, to I guess the your new buddy was the guy who called him a chicken. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> I mean, he was super apologizing about, super apologetic about it afterward to him. And, but I mean, I don't know. I kind of think he was going all in no matter what. After he had already told me before the hand, like he'd already like told everyone, it's like, I'm going to just go all in on the flop. Well, it seems like he was just there to have a good time. And he, I mean, eventually when you're there having just to have a good time, you're going to run into a monster when you're, you know, betting big on a lot of flops. And here's the other thing is he was he was very drunk, but he was a pretty good player. He knew um, he was way better than the average player for sure. And I feel like if he was sober, he'd probably be a winning player because he could call my hands out pretty good when we were playing against each other and made some pretty big folds. And then once he went all in, well, he had some pretty good folds before that too and called my hand out, which, I mean, definitely seemed like he was a pretty good player could be profitable if he wasn't just gambling it up for fun well i think different players play at different times you can't stereotype completely because let's say i go to when i go to vegas once i'm up a couple grand i'll go to a one two table say fuck it and i mean i usually don't drink when i play poker i'll drink and just i'm there just at that point to have a good time and have fun and you know if i win i win if i don't i don't i'm the kind of out of grind it mode and, you know, I'm like, well, that's $200 that's gone. But, like, drunk, I don't play my best. But I'm probably still better than a lot of 1-2 players. So, I mean, but at that point, you would definitely think I am horrible. So, it yeah, you can't completely stereotype uh, some of these players. So, I mean, some of them might be good, and they're just like, this is a day. They're just having fun. Yeah, and I mean, I had seen him play before and knew that's exactly. He's just an action player who's there to have a good time. Yeah. So that's why, because we had like an incident where he couldn't turn his cards over or something. He tried to, and it was a very small pot, about 25 bucks or 50 bucks. And everyone was like, no, no, he shouldn't win that pot. And I was like, calm down. Like, you're all going to get your money back. Like, just let him, let him have fun. Why are we... Like, yeah. Like, just... Just let him have fun. I don't understand. You cut the players like that so much slack. I mean, just, just like you say, let them have fun. Let them enjoy the game. I mean, you need you need those players to keep coming back. You need them to have. You need them to spend their money and feel like it was still a good time. Oh, and then with someone who seemed like I mean, he bought in deep stack, but it did not seem like the money was very did not affect him very much at all. He didn't. 
he seemed more bummed that he had to leave than that he lost the money. Well, I mean, you know, some of these people, like, I like poker players because they can think analytically like good ones. But the other thing, like, like poker players can have such gigantic egos. I mean, some player who's probably above average and is sitting there grinding out 20 bucks an hour, I mean, guess what? You're not, you might be beating this guy at the table, but these three guys who you're beating out at 20 bucks an hour, they're able to lose that exact amount of money and have it not matter because they've also been smart everywhere else in life. So, I mean, <laughs> like, some of these poker players, I mean, kind of need to keep the egos in check because some of these people who are VIPs or whatever, they're VIPs and they're playing poker for fun because 20 bucks an hour for them wouldn't do shit. <laughs> yeah, it kind of seemed like this guy's kind of round. I play with some players like that, too, at, um, you know, like at 52 or something where... I mean, you've been there. can just be a madhouse at times. Oh, yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, it's, like I say, you're right. We really need to get, take care of, like, the good players and keep them coming. Good players for the game and keep them coming back. All right. I guess that concludes episode five. We'll see you guys next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week.